Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Academics Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, Justin D. Barnett. In this episode, I got to sit down and talk to a very talented person who works for a little company that you might be familiar with. Today's guest is Monterey Powell. Monterey is currently a sales executive at Coca-Cola. She has years of experience in marketing, working at companies like Apple and Tiffany & Co. This is a great episode, so you're in for a good listen. Here it is, Monterey Powell. Coca-Cola. Enjoy. Monterey, thank you so much for joining me on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. You know, I'm, I'm super excited about this episode because, uh, you know, you work for Coca-Cola and, and, and the, in the advertising and in the marketing world, Coca-Cola is, you know, always considered top tier in terms of what they've done with their brand through the years. Yeah, they're classic. So even even to this day, like I I always regard them as one of my favorites because of how well they're able to to execute their collaborations and and be in cultural conversations at at in, in all and like so many aspects of, of culture. So super excited to have you on and, and talk a little bit about you and your career. Yeah, no, perfect. I'm happy to be here. I'm definitely happy to be at Coca-Cola, especially during the times that we're in. Um, Coca-Cola is definitely being a lot in prob of what they're doing just in the community and collabs and things like that. So yeah, bring it on, bring on the questions. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. So you, you do hold that role of sales executive. What exactly does that mean? Yeah. So, so there's different tiers of sales. Um, and so sales executive is kind of a middle tier and then you go up to national sales. So a national person would be over something like a full chain so like a chick-fil-a or a mcdonald's you're considered kind of that top tier you have over maybe 300 to a thousand locations that you manage for the most part a lot of us do work at home um so i've been with the company two years now and i've pretty much been working at home since um i'm born and raised in la we have a west coast office in irvine so we meet there a lot but i manage the las vegas territory so I actually moved to Las Vegas with the company, uh, which isn't too far from California, and I go back a lot. But yeah, I manage um, different casinos within Las Vegas, and we help, you know, with their contracts. So each restaurant, fast food chain, movie theater, or casino, they all are on a five-year or a ten-year contract, and that's locked in with Coca-Cola. So they could only serve Coca-Cola at their locations versus Pepsi. And under Coca-Cola, we have over, you know, under 200 different beverages. We have the freestyle machine that serves on the, over 200 flavors. So huge variety. Um, but we also renew the contract. So, for ex example, the Raiders Stadium here in Las Vegas, that was a big Pepsi-Coca-Cola battle. I'm proud to say it is going to be a Coca-Cola property. So they're only going to be pouring Coke. Um, unlike Ram Stadium that's being built in Inglewood, that is a Pepsi Stadium. So they're all going to be pouring Pepsi. So it's either or. It's always a battle. But, um, yeah, my job entails, of, you know, putting in new beverages, um, helping with marketing promotions on property to closing the deal and renewing their contract. So it's a little bit of everything. Well, congrats on that stadium. Um, that's super exciting. Um, yeah, hopefully we get to experience the game as yeah, a group, but yeah. Definitely. Um, you just mentioned that it, you know, your title also includes, uh, marketing and promotion. Like what, what exactly, um, does, does that entail specifically? Yeah. So for example, Palms Casino is, um, one casino that I manage and 
Uh, we did different activations on property, especially during uh, the summer for pool activation. Um, you know, they had Cardi B and a lot of different people come and perform. Um, Jack and Coke is our, or Jack Daniels is, is one of our partners. So I work with the Jack Daniels um, head and we did kind of a Jack Daniels lounge and different samples. So I think around that time they came out with, I think it was um, Apple. Jack Daniels apples. So we did a whole mixology kind of recipe at the pool and had, you know, um, different people there sampling them. And we had the step and repeat where it was like activation there. So that's one for the pool side. Um, and then, you know, the hockey games of the Knights, Golden Knights are huge out here. So just partnering with different brands like Zico is coconut water. So uh, for example, at LA Live, they did um, like a Fitbit and they partnered with Zico and did like a health and wellness kind of yoga session. And then you got to try the different samples of Zico. So wherever we can grab a lot of people at one time and then do samplings or give out free product and, you know, have a full experience, um, especially if it's a new beverage or promoting the, you know, casino or whatever the account is. Um, that would be key. And then another example, I don't have Chick-fil-A, but someone that's over Chick-fil-A, they do a lot of promotion just on their social media um, giveaways, Chipotle as well as Coca-Cola. And so they do a lot of different um, sponsorships as well with Mexican Coke, um, that bottle in the glass bottle, um, it's huge there. And just different, they'll do, they'll try different like bubblers. So different drinks um, in the property. If it does well, they'll expand it to more locations. So it's a lot of internal um, selling and you get creative with whatever the account is, whoever their manager or director is, kind of brainstorm with them throughout the year of what they want to do. And then we'll implement, you know, four to 10 programs a year based off the season or whatever's going on there. Yeah, you're obviously, um, you know, very experienced and advanced in your career. So I'm curious about, you know, what has your career path been like up until this point? It's been a journey. I will say when people say, you know, oh, I want to work for Coca-Cola, I, I kind of do stop them and say this has been a 10 year plus process just so they can get an idea. Most people I work with definitely have their bachelor's degree and a lot of them have their master's if, even if they're a higher up national salesperson and then if they go in operations or a director they pretty much all have their master's or they're working on it so that's just something to be aware of um but it is my dream job when i think and go back to it but it's kind of all my backgrounds combined into one when i think about it um, I went to Cal State Long Beach. I majored in broadcast journalism. So I thought I was going to be like a news anchor. I wanted to show and prove that I can speak and I can write. So that was my main thing. Um, at that time, I was working for Coach. I was in retail, um, selling leather goods um, and kind of getting my sales skills up. And that kind of got me through college way back then. I was doing that part time, um, but I was really involved at Cal State Long Beach. I did um, student student council. So I was like a board of trustee member and I worked um, also at program council. So we did marketing events um, and worked there on on campus. And that I think really got my social skills up and really got my creative side going and, and um, just made me realize I could do more than 
just sales or just, you know, being a news anchor. So at that point, I minored in fashion merchandising because um, I still really liked the retail side and sales, but I wanted to get that creative flow going. So um, that was really cool just because I got to challenge myself with doing um, fashion math and um, doing like window creatives and implementing. Uh, I remember one of my PR classes, we had to create a product and I actually created my um, thought was like rose water. So even back then, when I think about it, even in college, I was already thinking about a product that I could sell that was beneficial in some way, whether it was, you know, your skin or energy. Um, so that was my kind of promotion back then. But I remember one of my classes, um, it was a behavioral class. And what stuck out to me the most is someone, we were reading something and someone asked about, about McDonald's and why is McDonald's so successful? And why do they gravitate? Why is there a line late at night and things like that? And um, there was this, you know, focus group that came back and pretty much said, the main reason that they are red and yellow is because that actually enhances your hunger. So even if you're doing a long drive, it actually gravitates you to stop at McDonald's and get something just based off the colors that, that they chose of red and yellow, their signature colors. So that alone fascinated me so much. And I was like, I really want to, you know, my career job to be something where I learn about behavioral buying, purchasing, uh, help creating a product to where, you know, it gravitates towards people and touch different, you know, backgrounds and things like that. So um, from there, I worked for Tiffany and Company. So they were opening a lot of new stores in L.A. Um, so I worked at the Beverly Center there and I really got into VIP clienteling and being professional and selling a really high-end product and then also selling a silver good um and just clientele like i think tiffany company did a great job with just training really well um they had a really strong brand and that went really far no matter where um with them uh three years in i actually moved to new york city i lived in new york for two years that was my big dream to kind of leave california and being in the big city. So I helped open the Soho location in New York. And that was a life changing experience. I recommend anyone to kind of get out of their comfort zone. I had no family, barely any friends in New York. Um, I helped open the Soho location in New York. And it was a really big deal. We got a lot of press. Um, I was a sales lead there and helped with marketing as well. And just the city and all the fashion and creativity and the winter summer I just wasn't used to the season. So that I just think um, I would say with Tiffany and just working in New York, that upped my work ethic. Um, that also worked my toughness for being a black female um, working in a market like that because I was technically the only one at that location. And you know, it benefited me in some ways and it didn't in others. It was a lot of international business. So I didn't speak another language or things like that. So just really showing my skills kind of right on and being um, kind of just tough in the sense of being able to show and prove myself early on and then being able to work with others really well mm -hmm. um, just, you know, helped me in all. 
So from there, actually, Apple, so what happened was Angela Arenas, who was over Burberry, um, she actually got pulled to go to Apple, and Apple was expanding to more of a fashion, creative side of, under Tim Cook. And so she managed the retail division, and that's when the Apple Watch came out. So it was a huge deal. It was the first kind of fashionable wear, smart, you know, tech item uh, that was being launched. And I pretty much um, got pulled into Apple and worked at the Grove, really a high busy store as well as Century City. And I worked on the business team there. So every Apple store has a business team. And, you know, it can be a small team. We're kind of back of house and we help the community. So whether it's a small mom and pop store or a really large cor corporation like Fox Broadcasting or CAA was across from, from Century City, we would help with their employees, like getting new phones or if they want to furnish um, their offices with different Apple products. We had a leasing program or purchase program they could do. So um, Apple, I would say I worked with, was the most diverse ever. I mean, I work with the sm some of the smartest people I've ever met, right? But we all had different backgrounds. Um, you know, a lot of people with like arts, fine arts degrees. I mean, just such a diverse world. And it matched, you know, the consumer that's buying there at Apple. You know, it's really hitting all different markets. So um, Apple, uh, you know, was is great they do tuition re reimbursement so a lot of um people there were going to school and getting money back you know while going to school or working part-time so they're really flexible with the hours um but from there i would say working in the business team i learned about really just wholesale clienteling um you know working with some high executives i helped furnish the water Pistoria hotel in beverly hills after maybe six months of meeting back and forth. So it just made me realize the relationship that you build today, it doesn't mean you're going to get a quick sale right then and there. Uh, you kind of have to build it and it needs to be genuine or they can go to someone else, right? There's plenty of other salespeople. Uh, we help furnish the Snapchat office as well. So just always expanded and it just um, really challenged me from all ends on the tech side. Um, I helped with the, the Hermes watch launch. So I helped and went to Beverly Hills for the Hermes store and helped launch that. So just luxury wise, I mean, Apple was pretty perfection on any launch that they did. So um, it also just showed me that I didn't need to just have one focused background or being good at one thing. Um, I think Apple made me realize that I could be good at sales. I can be good at marketing. I could, if they wanted me me to be a brand ambassador i could do that i helped at a hiring event i did community service so it just expanded me that work-life balance is really important and kind of showing and being okay with who you are um you don't have to conform to a certain type of look or style just because of who you work for so that was a huge i think win at apple so um during my time at Apple, I did a program at UCLA. Mayor Reardon has his um, MBA fellowship program at UCLA that's still going on. It's a class of 50 that they choose, and you have to be of a diverse background, and you have to have your bachelor's. So I applied for that because one of my friends did it and recommended it to me. 
And I got in, I think it was out of maybe, you know, I don't know, a thousand people or so. So they're pretty particular. You have to do an essay and an interview in person. Um, it was with UCLA alums. And that was great. I think that propelled me to be ready for Coca-Cola, honestly, and to um, extend my education from there. So we were a class of 50 all different backgrounds. Um, we met one Saturday every month for a whole month. So in total, you know, 12 times and we had different panels come. We did really crash course of MBA, you know, the GMAT testing. And um, we went to the East Coast and toured different MBA schools. And in all, um, that made me realize that I'm happy at the job that I had, but now I could go maybe further. I didn't really need an MBA is what I realized. Um, but of course, me living in New York, I knew a lot of people that went to Syracuse. I kept looking up SI Newhouse program. They had an online program and they were rated really high in their PR and advertising field. And they had an online pro program. So I ended up during my time at Apple um, applying and getting into Syracuse and doing a master's in communication, uh, emphasis in PR and applied communication. Um, and I did that during my time at Apple. So really busy. My life has been nonstop. Um, but I just feel as though if you really want to challenge yourself and really get where you want to get, you kind of just have to put in the work and, have you know good mentors and support um along the way um definitely a lot to unpack on that that was long i know it was but it was good it was good um you know i'm curious about you know once you once you left cal state long beach you know what what made you want to attend that program at ucla and then go on to syracuse like did you always know you wanted to continue your education at that point um yes i would say that i was always curious like oh an mba i knew i wanted to be you know, later on in life, um, more, more of a director role. And I knew a lot of people had their MBA. Um, so it was still a question mark because my resume was still pretty strong with the brands that I had. So I didn't know if it was needed or not. Um, but again, my friend uh, did the program that he got his master's after that. And just thought, you know, I lived in LA and it would be just a good networking thing, if anything. Um, and it turns out to be true. We were a class of 50, but we're all still in touch. And we all, you know, from different backgrounds to tech, um, you know, Disney. I mean, we all have different corporates. Some people started their own companies as well. So um, it was kind of like a mini MBA program in itself, um, just because it was also really intense. But yeah, I always kind of felt as though I wanted to possibly get a master's. I just wasn't sure. MBAs are also really expensive. I mean, they're usually not cheap, especially if it's at a good school. Um, and so just, and it's a hard process as well. So just getting more information, if anything, and it turned out to be a great, you know, choice for me and Syracuse and SI Newhouse ended up being a great choice, especially it being online and it wasn't the most expensive. I was looking at USC as well, um, but they were like double the price. And I was, you know, comparing the schools and the actual, you know, who was teaching was also really important to me. It's interesting that, you know, you went to get your master's and you, you studied PR and advertising and then 
you went on to work in sales. So the question is, you know, how, how do the two complement each other if they do sales and marketing? Yeah. So yeah, no, that's a great question. I feel like when you are in the retail world, it is actually hard to get a job just as a marketing uh, person or a marketing role. I kind of had that same battle throughout college. I had the sales on my resume um, and then I was trying to get marketing jobs, but they kept wanting to put me in sales. And I then I started to be a little bit pickier with, okay, I don't, don't want to just go to any company to do sales and then be stuck in sales and never really get out type of thing. So I, wa- I knew I wanted to just a corporate job where it was Monday through Friday. I was really burned out. I was working every weekend. I was missing out on all my friends, everything, birthdays, and just everything you could name I was missing out on. And I just felt like my creative side just wasn't being tapped into. So um, I just, with every job that I did, I always um, pushed myself to help out on the marketing team or join on a marketing call. Like I really made it vocal to whatever manager I had that yes, I'm good at sales, but how can I help on the marketing end? So within my resume, I kept, no matter the job, I had a marketing kind of bullets. Um, so for example, at Tiffany Company, yes, I was in sales, but I was able to put on there, like I worked the blue, the Tiffany blue, like breakfast at Tiffany's event. And we did a Valentine's event on property. And so I helped like manage that and and push that forward. So I think no matter the title, you could still push to do marketing things. And then when you do go for marketing jobs, you, you know, make sure you, your answers to the interview questions are really more marketing focused, even if you have a sales role. Um, mm-hmm. Now with Coca-Cola, I got recruited actually on LinkedIn and um, it was a recruiter out in Atlanta. They're headquartered in Atlanta. And um, it was for an LA position and she actually sent me a essay questionnaire that I had to fill out. And I thought, I thought that was interesting. Never seen that before, but I know it's a big company. It's a big job. And in the questions, it was, you know, why do you want to work for Coca-Cola or what inspires you? And I did a lot of research with Coca-Cola and they had a lot of African-American females and, and women, I would say say in executive roles and that was a big deal to me um compared to my other jobs it was very white male driven especially being tech or even like business um retail you don't really see a lot of black executives so that was a big deal and i brought that forward i I listed a lot of women that were inspirations to me that you know hold or on the board or do work there Um, and then also my my background, I just listed it all, you know, like sales here and whatever um, brand I did, but I always push, you know, whatever marketed creative side that I did. And so I had three interviews after that, kind of back to back out in LA. One was a phone interview and, you know, I just was myself and really honest and open. They asked if I was you know, able to relocate anywhere. And you just, you just, if you don't have kids and if you're young, I just feel like you kind of have to be open and may, even though I'm born and raised in LA, the job may not be in LA. And I've seen a lot of people turn down great jobs just because of the location and it kind of ruins you. I mean, now we're in a pandemic, right? You can kind of work anywhere. So 
paying really expensive rent and then not loving what you do or where you work just doesn't make sense to me. Um, so you kind of have to weigh out the pros and cons. And so they offered me a higher position if I took the Las Vegas lo location versus LA. So, you know, your blessings can be missed if you just go with your comfort uh, because of an area and then you end up getting paid less or you end up being uninspired and end up not doing well. Right. So, um, I, you know, I took the job in Las Vegas and I can eventually move back to wherever I can move anywhere at this point. I've proven myself in the two years, but it is the, all my jobs combined. I think I'm very much fit for this. It is sales, but it is a lot of marketing. It is a lot of tech right now with the freestyle and, we have a touchless app that we're coming out with. So I just realized that I don't have to hide just one thing that I'm good at. I can show and be in all different kinds of meetings. I'm in an Uber meeting now and I, I hit all different realms. So, um, you know, just finding a job that lets you kind of do more than one, I think is really key. Um, and compared to, I feel like at Apple, you know, everyone was good, but they were only good at one thing and they did it really well, which is a good way, especially in tech. That's kind of how they do things. But Coca-Cola does fit me more because I'm able to branch out even in operations or finance and legal calls I'm in. Um, so I'm really in all pockets. So the sales executive is just a title. I mean, they could change it to anything, really a brand ambassador. They could change it. I really, we all kind of just do it all. Um, and I think that's the kind of personality that they, that they choose. They want to be able to have a drink with you after work. They want to be able to, you know, partner. I hang out with my customers and I entertain them and bring them to dinners and go to hockey games and Disneyland and things like that. So it's not just the, are you good at sales? It's also that social skills side um, that is a big part of the job that no one really talks about. No one talked about that in college. No one even talked about it in my master's program either. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about the social skills. Like what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah. So I feel as though, um, at least in, within Coca-Cola that it, personality is also a big fit. They have to be able to see, um, even in the interview, you know, are you likable? Um, they ask through different questions, you know, how do you handle a tough time? When have you, um, leaned on, you know, a coworker for help and how did you get out of it? So they really want to be able to hear and see that you don't just dig yourself in own a hole and, um, you don't have a big enough, big ego to where you don't ask for help. Um, cause there are people there to help you that know a lot and it's kind of like all hands in on deck. Um, so a lot of the casinos, when they're up for, you know, renewal and we're fighting against Pepsi, yeah, one salesperson may be over that, but everyone jumps in, marketing jumps in, operations jumps in, everyone jumps in on calls, trying to figure out problems and how to help. And then we all, you know, we had a presentation um, actually in February at Topgolf. So um, this was for Hard Rock in Las Vegas is turning into Virgin. Um, I can announce it now because we just won it, but it was a Pepsi battle and we did a presentation at Topgolf and yeah, it was a two hour presentation of all the financials, the marketing plans that we have, um, you know, who, who the team is that's going to work on it and, you know, different things like that. We also played, we actually did Topgolf with them. Like we had drinks with them. 
we played a round of golf with them and really got to know them on a personal level um, as well. So that was a part of the presentation experience. So that's just one example of, it's not just like your PowerPoint, here you go. Usually our presentations involve a social aspect to it. And then on top of that, you know, they do partner with us for our assets. So we, you know, have tickets to all kinds of things, whether it's the March Madness, whether it's a hockey game, whether it's Disneyland. And a lot of time we do have to entertain them. We have a certain amount that we have for food and beverage to spend. We have suites in these arenas and the salesperson is in charge of entertaining that customer where they bring in their coworkers or their friends. And due to a partnership, they have, you know, a great time and experience with us. And that's just a part of being a Coca-Cola partner. So that's what I mean by social skills is, you know, just behind the computer um, isn't one thing. You have to be able to pick up the phone, ask them how their weekend was doing. How are you doing in the coronavirus? You know what I mean? Like, way get more personal. Is there anything that we can do? Um, because Pepsi is right there ready to take that place. And so you have to be, you know, a genuine relationship partner with your account. And then also represent Coca-Cola in whole of, you know, you can't, you also have to watch yourself. You can't get too drunk. You can't, you know, you really have to be aware of that you're representing the brand no matter, even if you're off. So even on social media and things like that, I have to be very aware that I do represent my company and I am an example of, you know, what others may, may, may look to. So um, just being a full transparency, you know, 365 days, you know, a year, it, you know, the job really never stops. But if it's fun and you enjoy it, there's so many perks involved that I think, you know, the pros definitely outweigh the cons, but there's a lot of underground work that just no one talks about. But socially, I think that's it's high up there within the Coca-Cola world. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of social media, um, I, I follow you on, on social and I see like, you know, you're, you're heavily into like fashion and art and, and traveling and doing all that type of stuff. From what you're explaining, you do a lot at your job. You know, how do you find time to, you know, have a work-life balance um, and, you know, how important is that for you? Yeah, it's it's huge, honestly. I think social media and Instagram, um, it's in, you know, Twitter or Facebook even, those are, it's just great outlets to kind of make it more personal and show who you are. And also letting people know I'm more than my job because I know right now a lot of people have got let go from their job and they feel like there is an identity loss with that. So I actually don't post a lot about Coca-Cola because it's not really... Yes, I work for them and it's a big part of my job, but I can work for anyone really and still bring the same kind of skills and personality to the actual table. So that's what I really want to show um, through my social media. And, you know, I love to travel. Um, I have a Peloton. I'm really into fitness right now. It's kind of my saving grace, just getting through the pandemic. Um, I'm really into, you know, having family and friends time and, creative, you know, making different drinks or, you know, when I am traveling, just kind of showing where I am. And I was in Portland. I was my first time in Portland a couple of weeks ago. So just doing a hike and, you know, showing, you know, the activity and just, you know, showing that I, I'm, I'm a real person and it, it really shouldn't matter who you work for or what you do. And I've met so many executives that 
are able to show that they are just people too, right? And they, you know, have families and dogs. And I just, you know, want to make sure, like, fashion is a big part of it. I, I, I would say, um, I don't know about sneakerhead, but I really am into sneakers and just the creative side and Virgil and everything that he's done for Louis Vuitton, even before that. And, you know, Kanye West, I've always loved him. And so a lot of, a lot of what he's done has changed, but still just being uh, really aware of, of the creative space. And there's a quote going on right now that the creatives are the, are the new athletes. Mm. And I really like this quote just because it's always kind of been about the athlete and the athlete making a lot of money and, you know, them going to school for free because they can play the sport or, you know, shoot and be fast. But we've always forgot about the creatives of the world that, you know, paint and, you know, tie dye and just create a product or be able to branch it out. So I feel like, especially in 2020, I've just seen so many uh, creatives really expand, really not be afraid and kind of branch out. And I think they've used social media to be able to do that and connect with different people all over the world and sell items that they really like. So I really love to see that. I hope it continues. And I hope the creatives really get, you know, the pay and the attention that they really deserve. Um, just like athletes, really. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, I, I can tell by, by, you know, the passion in your voice, by how much you enjoy your job. Um, so, you know, my question is, you know, what, what is your favorite part of, of what you do? Um, I think work, who I work with, I genuinely like the people that I work with. Um, you know, we are all just really happy about life. And um, we all help each other with trying to solve problems. A lot of what we're dealing with, with right now with closures and movie theaters not even opening and restaurants closing is fixing problems and problem solving. So that's a huge part of our job right now. And I think just easing the load, we are sharing information. I mean, this is the most I've just, it's like a group product project, but times a hundred, right? Just because I've never, um, now I'm on calls with people in Atlanta executives and even like VPs that I've never met before. And I just feel like everyone is so much more hands in on deck to help solve problems through the pandemic and getting customers and accounts, you know, up to where they need to be or help them, you know, not close. So I just feel as though that makes the experience so much better. Um, and then also just on a brand perspective, I, um, they really just enhance, you know, they're really aware, conscious of sugar and I don't drink soda as much, but we've just expanded our portfolio of water and infused water with smart water and a tea and um i would say tuple chico as well as a mineral water that they just purchased so i feel like coca-cola keeps um expanding their beverage portfolio and business to help to cater to all ages and races and backgrounds which i think is is great like i think you know they're going to continue to do that and, you know, honest tea example, even for kids and fair, fair life is under Coke. So having that kind of dairy free even option. So something for everyone is kind of what they're pushing. And I think they're really doing a good job at that. Um, so that makes it exciting because 
I know the beverages that are coming out for fall and even next year. And um, thanks to the freestyle, even we have a analysis of what people are pouring and what they like and what they mix their drinks with. So uh, just be on the lookout with more flavors, kind of catering to that in, in an actual bottle. If I'm not mistaken, you guys also got into the energy drink space recently too. Yes, um, yeah, there's Coca-Cola Energy. We have Monster as well, but it, Coca-Cola Energy is is tastes just like the actual soda. So um, on the reverse of that, you know, what, what's one of the most, what's one of the more challenging uh, parts about what you do? Um, there's, there's a mix. I mean, it is high stress, I would say, um, just because I am kind of my own boss. Like I do manage my accounts on my own. So, you know, in one day I have 10 different accounts so I could speak to a VP could call me, um, an executive could call me, an operations person could call me from all different accounts. And then of course, if there's issues, so let's say you're found machine broke down or there's a closure that's happening and we need to go in and take the equipment out. So every day is, is really new. I really don't know what I'm getting into every day. I know my accounts, but the issues that come up and solving those problems is always um, just new. And you have to be able to be calm and be able to solve problems and solve it quickly. So I think, you know, that took me some time to learn. And then also working from home, I, it sounds so exciting. And I, that's something I've always wanted. And I know a lot of people right now, are, that's new to them working from home. But getting an adjusted schedule um, was really hard at first because you have your kitchen right there. You have your couch right there, your bed, and you're in your home, right? So I had to really create a, a real true office space that I enjoyed with, you know, candles and, 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 you know, a flower even, and just get the ambiance of, okay, this is my office space separate from, you know, kitchen or where I actually sleep at night. And then, you know, also getting up at a certain time every day, making my bed, you know, every day, like really getting a structure of discipline, I think is the hardest thing for everyone working at, at home. And you kind of do miss those social outings. I did a lot of entertaining um, when I first started with the company. Right now, of course, due to COVID, we all aren't doing that. But, um, you know, not being able to do that and just not being in an office at all, you do kind of just miss that social interaction. I feel like over the phone and all these FaceTime calls and we have a lot of Microsoft Teams calls, you know, they're great, but it's not the same as in person, um, just kind of experience and getting to know someone. So that's just, you know, work-life balance, I would say in all, but, and then separating myself on the weekends from actually stopping work um, is also was a big adjustment to, and just really enjoying myself and getting away and, you know, taking a break and enjoying family and friends or getting some sun as well. I think we're all adjustments that I had to work on. It took me a couple months to really get it down. And then of course, getting like a workout routine as well. So it's all a work in progress. I mean, everyone I think is really hard on themselves um, or compare themselves to others on social media. And you, you just have to take yourself, you know, day by day and do what's best for you. And I just realized like what key things make me happy and I made sure, you know, each week or throughout the day, I'm able to make sure there that that happens. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, you know, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and, and, and talk about something that, you know, you've mentioned a couple times throughout the interview and um, and just talk about the, the issue of, you know, diversity, like within corporate America. Um, I know a lot of people listening are at, the, at a stage where they're they're going to be entering this world for a lot of people for the first time. And, you know, it's not once you get into this, into the, like the corporate life, you know, then you become aware of being the only the only minority in the room if you're a minority. You know, I'm, I'm curious if you have advice for people who are, who are of diverse backgrounds who are going to be entering this world. You know, anything that, that you learned along the way that you would want to share? Yeah, no, definitely. That's that's a huge part that I feel like no one really talks about. More people talk about it this year and especially with Kamala now running, you know, under Biden as VP. Um, it's even more pro African-American women, you know, just being bosses and really, you know, showing their worth um, type of thing. Um, the gender gap even of pay has always been a topic, but it's never really been fixed still. So there's a lot of aspects to it that really has never been a solve. Um, the whole Black Lives Matter movement, I think, really, um, for the first time I've seen it within a corporate setting, uh, within Coca-Cola was a, uh, U.S., you know, national call with our CEO that we had a call with, and then our VP over the West Zone, uh, we also had a call with her, and they were very open, they were listening ears on what needed to change, what needed to be fixed, and, I think um, what I've learned is there's about only like five of us, even in the West Zone, so in the West Coast market under Coca-Cola, that are of a different background. And so even though that executives and in, in Atlanta is very diverse and you have executives that are African-American, based off your region, you could still feel like you are on a island. And... Um, a lot of ideas that I've brought up, um, I, I got a lot of feedback that people were unaware and the naiveness of it all just made me realize I actually need to speak more. I need to give more ideas on the table. I need to be in more meetings when they do talk about ideas for the future because if I'm quiet and the room is filled with people that look the same, we're actually going to get the same results back. Um, so once I realized that I started to realize, okay, I started to give advice of need to have an internship program in the West coast, just for diverse people that are in college or even high school students even, and have, you know, it could be West coast, it could be different markets, but have a true high school and college inter internship program where it is under marketing, where it is under operations, where it is under sales. So there's a lot of different branches that you can work at coca-cola but no one really knows about and i think the internship program that's paid for by coca-cola and last six months to a year could help you long term whether you work for coca-cola or or not right so um that was just one example that i gave that they're really um taking in full force and will be worked on for next year and um just involving myself as well um and not being scared to just say my voice say my speak but also making sure that my work ethic stays strong so when i am in the room and at the table i am being taken seriously i feel like a lot of um, people may miss their mark of 
uh, being taken seriously, maybe because they complain too much or is always negative. So therefore, uh, people just feel as though oh, there they go complaining again. So I make sure whenever I do voice my opinion, it is of serious thought. It is of serious facts to back me up. And therefore, it can kind of move forward in that way. Um, also, for anyone that is in college, you know, internships are great. I'm doing meetings outside or finding people on LinkedIn to maybe have, a, you know, a coffee with as well. I've done that a few times to kind of branch myself or, you know, networking with friends and they refer me to someone. And, uh, you know, I was taken seriously because my, my resume was set. I could send that to them. My phone calls um, with whoever I was speaking with was also set with questions. So you just have to be prepared along the way to be taken seriously um, and also know who you are, know what your strengths are. So when you do speak with someone about maybe what you want to do, they'll actually probably give you more ideas of roles or ways you can go throughout your career journey that you never even thought of. So I know a lot of mentors for me, so a lot of things that have actually happened that I never even thought of, thought of doing. I never even thought of being in tech. I never even imagined I'd be in, in Las, Las Vegas even. So um, there's just different ways where you can, you know, piggyback and get someone's ideas that look like you, that maybe have different background. They don't have to have the same background as, as you even. Um, but just be open, be open to new ideas or thinking outside the box. And I think the more I kept my network of a diverse thought and background, that really helped me. I think at Apple, I had a lot more Asian friends because they had a different mindset than I ever thought of, right? And there's a few that work for Nike Corporate now that I still speak with and bounce ideas from. So um, just keep that in mind. I mean, we're still a diverse world and I don't just stick to African-Americans only, but we do have a culture and community within ourselves like, that can be less competitive and more open to bringing, bringing each other in. And we don't have to be that token you know black person in in the room we can show that more of us can be there with thought and we don't have to be the, the token one right so it's mm -hmm. always kind of been like oh if it's if i'm the only african-american female there can't be any others that's always been like a scary scary thing and um i think that the more that we prove ourselves um the better to just getting us more in higher roles and re representation no matter the industry um i think really really matters but it is a hot topic i think it's not going to go away um but i'm definitely less scared to just voice my opinion and i always speak uh, back it up with facts yeah it, it is a it is a hot topic and you know i know you've you've been in this you know corporate environment for a while now and so as you said you know you've seen different um you've seen the conversation come up you know plenty of times throughout the years whether it's equal pay or women in the workplace or or anything along those lines but you know recently it's been all about race and just black people in general being in these spaces and um you know i'm, I'm wondering if to you this this iteration of it um does this feel different and are you optimistic that like actual change is going to come out of this just with seeing how many companies have taken accountability and how many people have held companies accountable. Like, does this feel different to you? 
Yeah, it does. It does feel very different. I've never had a VP, you know, have a straight up side conversation with me and open to different ideas on, on, you know, how we can do things differently. Um, Twitter was on a rant of really calling people out. Of, Let me see a picture of, of your executives. Let me see your diversity and inclusion and what your plans are. So I think the call outs are there and show me the, the receipts aspect of things are really loud and vocal. And I think we have every right to be like we're in 2020 and there's no reason that, you know, there's no VP that looks like me or I, then therefore I will never see that as an attainable thing. Right. So representation matters. I, I voice, you know, within Coca-Cola, like if our, if our consumer, the people that buy our products are of all different races and backgrounds, then our boardroom needs to look the exact same. It makes no sense. You have a room filled up with people that look exactly the same you're actually going to get the same results the same answers the same thought process and it will never be a, a true reflection of the actual con consumers so to me it's an obvious like you know duh response but uh, i think it's just taking a long time for people to see it as a necessity um, and it is being a result of where, where we're at now. Right. And I just think our generation is not having it. Right. Like, I just feel as though our generation is just kind of like show prove, or I'm going to start my own company type of thing. And I, I'm going to be a competitor of yours. So even playing field now, I think with social media, um, but it is truly important. I think there will be true change. I've personally been in a lot more calls that are very different um, than, than before when I first started, just to get insight and thoughts on. So just changes like that. I know with Coca-Cola, we are not, you know, public, we've stopped um, our marketing programs and spending money on the Olympics and things like that, like we normally would. And they have put money into communities and things that matter. In and out, for example, they're working on a 5K virtual run that's going to happen in September. They are a partner of Coca-Cola. So I feel like each each restaurant or fast food restaurant is really getting more into the community and how we can outreach. And then Coca-Cola, it's helping them by, you know, sponsoring money or helping publicizing that event and putting it on. So I've never seen more community outreach than ever. And I think that is where we get a bigger result back. So no, knowing all that that you know now, um, from the experiences that you've had in, in your professional life from, you know, Tiffany to Apple to Coca-Cola to UCLA and Syracuse, you know, if you could go back in time and, and talk to your, your younger self, your college self, your um, Cal State Long Beach self, what, what advice would you give yourself? Yeah, I, I always think back to that. Like, what what would I change or what what, what would I tell myself? But I think I would I would tell myself to slow down. Like I feel like I was always going a mile a minute. I was always juggling different things. I took way more courses in a semester than I should have. And I did summer sessions and winter sessions. Like I just wanted to finish my bachelor's early. I wanted to kind of get in the working world as soon as I could. And I just feel like I could have slowed down more and just kind of enjoyed the process and where I was at and really just like self-love, self-growth. Like I did not really focus on my actual self, whether it was fitness or eating right or just like taking vacations and breaks. 
I really didn't do that until the most recent five years or so, or even the last couple years, I really made that a priority. And I also realized, you know, these jobs, I mean, they're great, but you can get, I can get hurt and I can get replaced tomorrow. Right. So they're, they're, they're loyal to you, but it's to an extent still. So never, you know, kill yourself for any job or any, you know, boss or anything. If it doesn't feel right, if you feel like you're overworking, you kind of need to be vocal and express how you're feeling. And if, you know, any job isn't treating you right or not showing your worth, that is a true sign. Or if it's affecting your health even, I've seen, I had a lot of friends where they had a lot of health problems because their job was overworking them. So just getting back to, you know, doing what's best for you is what I think I would tell my college self and just slow down and just really enjoy, you know, the people around me and just the actual experience. Like, I feel like I, I rushed it and, you know, now I look back and like, wish I could do it all over again. You're fortunate enough to work for, um, you know, a legacy company. I know a lot of people when they, when they're planning their careers early on, they, they say, Oh, I want to work at, you know, they name big companies such as Coca-Cola, um, you know, what, what would advice would you give someone who's interested in maybe one day being a sales executive at Coca-Cola? I think it's, it's a great goal. Um, I, I had a list that I created of, you know, 10 different brands that were kind of like dream companies that I wanted to work for. I knew my resume was pretty brand heavy, but I also to humble myself. Like I did the dirty work. I was sales. I started out, out at Apple part-time, then I went to full-time, then I went to business. Like everything is a process. You're not just going to get that dream job off day one. I really built my resume. Um, I made sure I finished school. I did the master's program during it. So, um, you know, the dream job is great and it, it, you may end up somewhere else even, right? So I just think being open to a variety, being open to moving and, you know, being uncomfortable in different aspects of, of your life, but really it's just staying true to your values and who you are, I think is the best thing that you can do. Because really, once I figured that out, I kind of was like, you know what, no matter where I live or who I work for, I know me, I know what I'm good at. I know my strengths and that's just what i'm going to bring to the table no matter what company that i work for and i feel like that calmness and self-confidence is what really got me through the coca-cola process the interviews and really got me to where i am now to where any meeting that i'm in i'm really just hold on to i know what i'm good at i i know my accounts just being really confident with where i'm at and, you know, bringing whatever ideas that I have to the table are never of not worth or worthy. And, you know, being a voice that matters also just carries you a long way. <laughs> and now I have mentors around me that think like me and I see how much they move and grow and whether they change companies or not, they're still the same person. And I think that's really important. Um, instead of I've met, you know, a few people that kind of change with how much money they were make or who they worked for and get like a really big ego and it's kind of like that can all be taken away from you tomorrow if you're not humble so still keeping that humbleness i think is really key yeah yeah i agree 100 percent. it's so important you know to um you know be be hungry for the goal that you want but at the same time you know 
you have to be self-confident and know your self-worth and you, you know, you can't, you know, sell yourself for a title or a paycheck. It's, it's important for you to be happy at the end of the day. So I definitely agree. And also I have a call out too. I think my also one issue that I had to really work on was talking about pay raise and when I, you know, got my initial offer and having to like renegotiate my offer. That I think is a big aspect, especially for women that we don't feel as comfortable with speaking on or how do we speak to it. And so I had a lot of male guy, you know, help with that just because I really needed to, I didn't want to be like needy i don't know it just comes off for a lot of girls like mm, am i asking for too much or are they gonna say no to me after and so just really being this is again another self-worth topic where really being confident with who you are what you bring to the table that's even on that pay scale mm-hmm. and that's just something in an area that doesn't get talked about at all and you know there's no class for it or anything but um, truly important with knowing your actual self worth is pay. Definitely, definitely. Monterey, this has been um, great talking to you. You've dropped a lot of gems. Um, I think people are going to take a lot of positive information out of this. Um, before we go, um, you know, what's, what's the best way listeners can get in touch with you if they want to uh, follow up with anything? Yeah, I think that uh, LinkedIn is great in my LinkedIn is public, Monterey Powell is my last name. Uh, you could find me on there and you can shoot me a message anytime. Uh, you can also e- email me, my personal email, monterey.powell at gmail.com. Uh, you could also email me anytime and I'm happy to hop on any Zoom calls or Skype sessions and you know have these calls while we're all kind of at home and not really being able to socialize that much i'm definitely here to you know help with any ideas or brainstorming sessions definitely moderate congratulations on everything you've achieved this far um you've inspired me in this interview um and you know i wish you the best of luck um in the future with everything you do thank you thank you justin i wish you the best too with the podcast What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to keep up with us outside of these podcasts, make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's at Academics, A-D-C-A-D-E-M-I-C-S. And you can follow me personally. My handle on all social platforms is at Justin D. Barnett. You can also email academicspodcast at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. Thank you. Class dismissed.